We're talking New York Giants progress, roster moves, and direction with Solomon Wilcox of Sirius XM NFL Radio. Plus, we're also talking about a very special initiative that Solomon's involved with that you won't want to miss hearing about. That's coming up next on the Locked on Giants podcast. You are Locked on Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Traina. Happy to have you with us on this Tuesday, and I'm very happy to welcome in my new special guest here, Solomon Wilcox. He is, you, you probably have heard him on Sirius XM NFL Radio. He is also a team leader of Sports Health with Russo Partners. They have an innovative uh, treatment that they're developing for Alzheimer's disease, which we're going to talk about a little later. This is very near and dear to my heart, folks, because I have two parents that I lost to dementia, which is part of uh, the same family as Alzheimer's. So for those of you who might be going through that with a loved one, Solomon's got some great information he's going to talk about a little later on in the program. But first, we're going to talk about Giants football and at the NFL in general. Solomon, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to sit with me. Well, Patricia, it's always great to be on with you. Always great to come on and talk about the New York Giants. We're excited about their future. And, uh, of course, their head coach um, has really infused this program uh, with just great optimism. If you win the NFL Coach of the Year in your very first campaign, and we saw what they were able to do immediately um, upon uh, just energizing uh, the team with a new coaching staff, we're excited about what the future holds. Definitely. And, you know, let's talk a little bit about, um, I, I want to back out a little bit and just talk about the NFL in general, because every year you see the winning teams establish some kind of a trend that teams tend to copy over. And I want to get your take on what you think some of those trends are that maybe we saw last year or the last couple of years that teams are really starting to maybe work into their uh, their plans and specifically the Giants, what maybe they're borrowing from other teams to to build forward? I think it's a really good question because it is a copycat league. You hear a lot of coaches and former players and, and people who cover the league, they talk about it because these things are what you refer to as trends, right? Um, the, a trend is something that's successful. Everyone begins to start to do it. It gains some momentum. Uh, but if you said it was a copycat league, if you said it was a trend, uh, we would be both saying the same things. And I think you saw Brian Dable sort of lean into one of those trends last year to get this offense up and running, to at least lean into the best things that they could do on offense, which was using the mobility of the quarterback, Daniel Jones. You saw uh, the Bears do that uh, with Justin Fields. The year before, you saw Jalen Hurts and the Eagles turn their offense around by using um, what he would bring to the table in terms of his ability to run the ball. Um, and, and it's about using the RPO system, which is a run-pass option. The offensive line is firing off the ball as if it's a run play. They don't know what the quarterback is going to read, if he's going to pull it and throw it, or if he's going to pull it and keep it himself, or if he'll give it to the running back. Now, if you have Saquon Barkley back there, uh, that's a really good option. If the offensive line is able to tee off on defensive linemen, 
um, while the defensive linemen are trying to look and peek to see if Daniel Jones is throwing the ball, that helps the offensive line. Um, and obviously, we saw Daniel Jones, his athleticism come to the forefront. Uh, he runs the ball very well. So the RPO system, I think we're going to continue to see many teams get their quarterbacks, their young quarterbacks, on the field much sooner and have them be more productive in the offense uh, much sooner. I do offer this cautionary tale. Be careful. Quarterbacks are not running backs, okay? And they're not designed to carry the the workload of running for a 1,000 yards year in, year out. So I think you have to be judicious with it, and we'll see how far this trend can go. Another trend, and you tell me if you disagree with this, but I think that the Giants are kind of leaning towards, and especially this year, they acquired Darren Waller from the Raiders, who is a very good pass-catching tight end. You look at the Patriots when they had Brady and Gronk, you look at the Chiefs with Mahomes and, and Kelsey, and it just seems nowadays that it's not out of the question for a team to, number one receiver to be a tight end. I mean, what what advantage do you think that brings as opposed, you know, having a tight end as your number one receiver as opposed to maybe having a legitimate number one receiver? It just puts more stress on the opposing defense, Patricia. It really does because uh, tight ends usually can operate in the middle of the field. But when they can dominate the middle of the field, what that does, the defense tends to shrink down and try to play a little closer in the box with the threat of the run and keeping the tight end out of the middle of the, of the field from dominating in those areas because those are easier throws for the quarterback. It's a bigger body. Um, his pass-catching radius is, is much larger. And then he's closer in proximity to the quarterback because most of his routes are over the middle of the field and in between the hashes. So what does that do? It creates more space outside for the wide receivers to operate, particularly if you put more speed on the perimeter. So um, I would anticipate the Giants continue to to build the talent uh, around Darren Waller now that they have a tight end who can stretch the field, who can get separation from linebackers and safeties and create yards after the catch. I, I think they're trying to create more explosive plays um, for the offense. And what does that do for Saquon, you know, in terms, because I mean, he was basically the offense, he and Daniel Jones, and it just seemed like if they stopped Saquon, that was, that was all she wrote. Yeah. Saquon Barkley, I think would, uh, as he was heading into the final month of the season, he represented, uh, I think over 40% of the offense. Um, and you could see defenses were starting to believe that if we can take Saquon Barkley away, we got him. Um, now they're going to have to worry about more than Saquon Barkley. And then, and look, you're going to have to start <laughs> your week with saying, what do we do about Saquon Barkley? But then you're going to have also have to add these layers. Okay, now what do we do to keep our linebackers from having to defend <laughs> against Darren Waller one-on-one? Because it's not going to happen. He'll eat our lunch. And now they're going to begin to add other receivers uh, who can make plays and create after the catch as well so that the defense is um, sort of the equation that they have to solve every week when facing the Giants' offense become so much more complicated. It's a feast or famine kind of scenario. Last year, they didn't have that and was still productive enough to make the playoffs. So they'll continue to add more layers, but right now it's looking pretty good. You know, just backing up to Daniel Jones for a second, you know, throwing the deep ball has always been one of his strengths. He hasn't really done it a whole lot because – pass protection does hasn't had the weapons and whatnot but when you look at him coming into year two of this system 
what's the next logical leap for him to take? You know, he's cut down on the turnovers, obviously. Yeah. He's yeah. he's done a better job, I think, with making decisions when to run, when not to run. But what's the next logical step in his development? And you, look, Patricia, you nailed it. I, I told people, I said, um, there was a quantum leap in significant improvement in Daniel Jones from – uh, 2021 to 2022, and people are pouring through the numbers, and well, numbers kind of look similar. I said, no, just protecting the ball itself. And you remember after week one when Brian Dable had to chew him out, he got the memo. <laughs> I could tell you that, and 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 he's always been athletic. I've always liked Daniel Jones, and the real reason why is because he's got this thing. Other than the turnovers, he had this thing. He had this poise about him that makes him right for the New York market. Much like Eli Manning, this guy, you never see him sweat. Um, if it's a big moment or if it's a lot of controversy swirling around, you know his early years, it was that. He never pointed fingers at other people. He never he took he took the hit, but he can take it. A lot of guys can't handle that, that smoke. They can't handle uh, that heat in the kitchen. He's built for this. He really is. And I think that's why the new general manager and Joe Shane, new head coach at Brian Dable, they were ready to give him the new contract. They, I think after a year, they say, no, this guy is more than what most people have seen. And I think we'll continue to see him get better. And I think the area, to your point, to your question, significant and critical moments, can he complete game-winning drives? Can he find a way, hook or crook, to get the ball into the end zone and win games? And that's what separates the really good quarterbacks. The good ones, they got to have a lot around them. There's no doubt. And the great ones need that too. Tom Brady needed it. Aaron Rodgers is looking to get it if he goes to the Jets, right? You see him already putting pieces on the chessboard around him. Uh, Bengals know Joe Burrow needs it and Patrick Mahomes as well. All quarterbacks need help around them. But once you get it, you got to pay it off. And when these games get close and two minutes left on the clock and the team scored maybe with leaving you two minutes left, you got to turn that opportunity into I'm going to score and not give them the ball back. That That's what separates the teams that get to the championship games, get to the Super Bowls, and the other teams that are kind of uh, watching you celebrate when the confetti is falling. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, Daniel Jones, big step forward. But, you know, I kind of look at it as that was level one in this new system. Now it's on to level two. And, just keep growing in this system and hopefully he, uh, you know, continues to develop and it is uh, before I get to the defense, I want to ask you about Saquon and his contract situation. Now, Saquon, there was a report that, you know, there was a 12.5 million per year uh, offer on the table. He turned it down. He got the franchise tag currently that's at 10 million. So he stands to lose if he plays on that. The running back market hasn't really been robust for the veterans. And probably that could be because the draft class is so deep in running backs. I mean, how do you kind of see this playing out for Saquon? And and would it be like catastrophic if he had to play on the tag? It wouldn't be catastrophic. We haven't been able to find any scenarios where a player has played under the franchise tag and then went on to make less money. We just can't, we can't find those scenarios. Um, every year, whether it was Dak Prescott, whether it was Kirk Cousins, and I know the quarterback can be a little bit different. When you look at Jesse Bates last year, safety with the Cincinnati Bengals, made $10 million um, in franchise. Now he's making $16 million with the Atlanta Falcons on his new deal. And that's a safety. 
So I, I'm just telling you, I, I, I track this every single year. The franchise annual number, which is guaranteed, by the way, ends up being the floor. It ends up being the lowest possible per annual salary that you can make with, you know, as you move into your next contract beyond free agency. So um, I know we always want it sooner rather than later because there is this risk of injury. But remember, Dak Prescott got hurt in his franchise year and he still got the bigger contract than he would have gotten had he signed sooner. So it's just, I, I look, I, the franchise is not meant to be punitive. Once you're deemed to be on the top five, one of the top five guys at your position, the market speaks to that. Um, and your contract for that year speaks to that. So uh, I think that's the fair part about it. Maybe the uncertain part about it is the only thing that's unfair because he'll make 10 million this year. Um, and next year, we don't know what the market will be. Um, you're, Teams want younger running backs, and as running backs begin to wait to get their long-term contracts, they're getting older, they're getting more tread, come off the tire with, with Saquon Barkley, who's already had an injury. So those are the things that are negative that are adding up against him. He's already had injuries. If he sustains more, and that'll be a mark against him. He'll be another year older, going up against a um, going into a market that really craves running backs on their first contract um, who are who are younger and tend to uh, stay healthy. Hey, Giant fans, it might be roster building season right now in the NFL, which means there's no games. But you know what? The NBA is in full swing. The NHL, MLB is coming back. The WNBA. So much is going on in the sports world now and coming up. And you'll want to make sure you get FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. New customers of FanDuel will get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 if their first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to the spread and more. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA and NFL. Hey, Giant fans, thanks so much for making the Locked On Giants podcast your first listen every day. Now make your second listen the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes. From free agency to the draft, salary cap management, and more, join NFL experts Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino as they take you through what it's like to build a successful NFL franchise every Monday through Friday on their show. Find Locked on NFL scouting with the draft dudes, wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, now, Solomon, I want to ask you about the Giants defense because the defense was pretty good last year, but they had one major problem and they couldn't stop the run. You know, the pass rush was also kind of a, 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 you know, hit and miss a little bit there probably because of the back end. But I want to start with the run defense. Now, the Giants added Raheem Nunez Roches, Nacho. They added Bobby Okereke, uh, who Mm -hmm. I I think is one of the – an underrated signing, but a big one. I mean, you think the Giants now, you know, with Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, who last year had a career year, is that run defense in your estimation better now on paper at least? 
Yeah, it, listen, with Rocho added to Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams, this is one of, I think, one of the best defensive lines in, in football. At least they have the potential to be that. And Rocho was part of that rotation on that Super Bowl winning team in Tampa in 2019. Uh, when Vita Vea was out, he, who was out most of the year, uh, Rocho came in and was a starter, was a significant contributor. He wasn't just a guy playing behind a bunch of really good players. No, he was one of many and that's what I think he'll be on this defense. And Bobby Okereke, um has arguably been one of the most underrated linebackers in our league um, since he came in as a rookie and was playing with Darius Leonard. We all know him now as Shaq Leonard, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but Bobby Okereke was uh, just a phenomenal player. Chris Ballard knows how to draft players. And I can tell you right now, this guy is, I think he's an upgrade for it. Now, here's what you have to understand. Uh, uh, Don Wink Martindale, um, he comes from the old school. Uh, we play the run on the way to the quarterback. <laughs> and that's not to say that it, it's an undisciplined philosophy. This is a passing league. You've got to be able to pressure the opposing quarterbacks. I, I can tell you in plenty of game plans where uh, Bill Belichick, who's seen as a defensive genius, he'll allow you to run the ball. He want, he invites you to run the ball um, because all he's trying to do is get off the field on third down, He's not going to give you the ball over over the, uh, deep in the passing game over his head. When other coaches do that, for whatever reason, they get ridiculed because people look at the numbers at the end of the year and say, ah, we gave up too much. Now, when a team is bound and determined to run it on you, you got to be able to stop them at that point. But when they're trying to fake, run it, to throw it, you got to understand what kind of cat and mouse game you're in. And I, I think Don Martindale is an excellent defensive coach. He'll figure it out. But you're right, having a few new pieces on the board, I think will go a long way to help with that. What about with helping with the RPOs and the zone reads and stuff? I mean, in the past, that's tripped up the Giants. I mean, do you think now they have the speed to to keep up with that and the guys who, who just have the better instincts? Because that's also been an issue, I think, over the years for the Giants. Yeah, and I think losing a player like Julian Love, I think, exacerbates that a little bit. I always thought he was a not only a good player, but a really instinctive player. He was a playmaker. You know, the guy was a playmaker for, for the Giants on defense. He was always in the middle of good things happening for the defense at critical moments. And now that has to be replaced. I think Xavier McKinney is a guy that I think still has a tremendous upside. I think they're going to try to get him signed to a long-term deal. He's got to stay healthy, stay on the field. When he does, he plays well. But staying healthy, he's got to be important because they need more players who can really um, play that that run-pass option. You have to be very intuitive and very smart. I think also you just got to be physical at the point of attack. To me, you got if the run, if the quarterback wants to be a running back, let's blow it up. You, you get and you and guess what? You get the, this is the one time you get to hit the quarterback with impunity. That means without punishment whatsoever. Because at that moment he's a running back. You don't have to treat him like a quarterback. He's a runner. So you've got to be really aggressive uh, and and attack RPO schemes. Don't try to read and react and slow play it and try to guess right because it's meant to force you to guess wrong. That's why you have to really be aggressive in defending. When you look at the Giants' remaining needs on defense, I think pass rusher is still kind of a sneaky need for them. I mean, they do have... Kayvon Thibodeau, they have Aziz Ojolari, who hopefully will be able to stay healthy. They just re-signed Jihad Ward. 
but they really don't have anything beyond that that's established at any rate. That being said, on the back end, which I think in Wink Martindale's defense, the cornerback situation is kind of interesting. They have, yeah. you know, Adoree Jackson, who's under contract for one more year. Fabian Moreau right now is an unrestricted free agent. I don't know if he's coming back. Aaron Rodgers, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Robinson hasn't been able to stay healthy. Um, they have bodies, but you know, do do they have what they need, or do you say if you're the, if you're Joe Shane, gosh, this is a really deep cornerback class. Maybe I go and I double dip in this class and I build up that back end, maybe putting more emphasis on the back end than say on the the edge rushers. Yeah, look, I, I think they wanted to spend the money, what money they were going to spend on the front end of the defense. I do think they'll look to draft on the back end but they still need a playmaker receiver. I still think they need to add a little bit more to this wide receiving core. You and I both know that, right? Um, and it's almost like pick your poison. You love to be able to address every need. When it comes to defense, the critical positions are uh, pass rushing and corner. That those, those are critical. Even Bill Belichick for years was very judicious in deciding, I didn't want to pay the pass rusher. Right. Remember uh, Chandler Jones used to be with the Patriots. He had to go elsewhere to get his money. Not until Matt Judon did they really go out on the market to sign edge rusher. But they always, you know, with Stefan Gilmore, uh, they always kept the, that prize lockdown corner because he understood that that's where you have to be really, really good. And in order to be really, really good there, you got to go pay for that player. And so that's going to be a free agency. That's I mean, last year I railed against the Giants letting James Bradbury go because I knew all you would do is put you in a position. You're going to need that guy. You're going to need that type of player. And here we are, right? It's like, you know, it's like, now you got to, you're looking for him. Well, you just had him. You just had him. And you say, well, we couldn't afford him. You cannot afford him. Like you cannot uh, win games, expect to win games without having whatever the, whatever the name is on the back of the jersey. It's a James Bradbury type. Right now, maybe you get lucky and you get one in the draft, and you get him three or four years on a rookie deal, and that would be optimal. And I think that's what they're looking at because you're probably going to have maybe four or five corners to go in the first round of this year's draft. Just have to see how the board falls because you're going probably could say the same at wide receiver, but that I think they've got to get one at e- at either position. One position we haven't talked about, which I think we need to. Offensive line, specifically interior offensive line. The Giants right now, okay, I think that you could say that they're probably set at their tackles with Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal, who hopefully will be better this year. Right guard, Mark Lewinsky should return for at least another year. I think he's under contract for one more year. Left guard, still a question mark. Center, I have no idea what they're going to do with center because they lost Nick Gates. You know, Ben Bredesen has played center. John Feliciano has not been re-signed as of this recording. What do you do if you're the Giants along that interior offensive line? How do you structure that? That's what I was going to say. I think the center position is is most important here. And I would have liked to have seen them sign the center at, at, at in free agency because you're probably going to do better unless they've already earmarked and, and said, this is a player that would be great for us. Sometimes you can find that. Now you're going to have to draft them high. Offensive linemen are so they're, I'm going to tell you right now, they're becoming harder and harder to get via the draft. Even if you take them high, you have to take them high just to even have a shot. Uh, because the developmental guys coming up through the draft, you're better off taking 
a guy that's uh, experienced at the NFL level, may not have been a starter, and you rather rely on him. Are you going to have a highly pedigreed player? Probably not, but at least a guy who has been through enough of against seeing stunts and twists and games to be able to uh, handle himself. Uh, but it's tough, man, to be able to pull in these young offensive linemen out of the draft and have them play at a high level early. It's just it's almost becoming our unheard of thing. They're good. You're going to have to go through some growing pains. The center position is so important because they work with the quarterback and communication, sliding the protection. Uh, you have veteran guys that got to rely on that guy to tell them, okay, what are we doing here? Identify the Mike linebacker, set the protection off of him to be able to say, Oh, we got to have a rookie that does that. You can, they're rare. Um, you know, Baltimore Ravens were able to get one out of Iowa last year. Um, but outside of that, you might find one each year in the draft. Um, sometimes you find none, to be honest with you. But they're going to – the teams all are watching that, that kind of player and looking for that kind of player. I think for them, though, it starts at, at center. Uh, then you can plug in pieces at guard if you have a talented center who can do it all, who's the athletic, who's smart, and who's tough. If you don't have that, then you better have the two guards because they're going to have to help out on on a safety that's uh that's that's probably not everything that you want. I'm a big John Michael Schmitz fan, by the way. I'd there love to see he's him in Giants one. Blue. Yeah, he, definitely he's the one in this year's draft. Yes, I don't know if he'll be there when the Giants pick, but I can <laughs> dream, right? right? That's right All right. That's right, I want to ask you one more football question, and then we'll we'll talk about your your involvement with uh, the treatment for Alzheimer's disease overall. The job that Joe Shane has done since coming to the Giants, how would you grade it so far? I, I would say he's done a good job because he didn't lose like this. This was I thought it was very precarious. I wanted to see if he how he was going to go about um, keeping both the quarterback Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. I think everyone would agree that both of those guys contributed in a way last year that said they should both be back. Um, they missed on the fifth-year option on Daniel Jones. And one can hardly blame him. At this time last year, who was high on picking up the fifth-year option on Daniel Jones? In fact, they could have screwed that up and ended up running him out the building based on the last sample size. But they, I think they felt it was fixable. There was no guarantees or certainty. But the way that they were able to thread the needle on that and still keep them both, you, keep the, you wanted the quarterback under long-term contract give the running back in Saquon Barkley another year. You would love to get him under a long-term deal as well, but uh, they're still working on that. The way that, they, hey, Kadarius Tony wasn't giving him much. They knew he was a good player. They were able to get something. And that pick, that draft pick that they got from Kansas City turned out to be the trade, uh, the draft pick that, uh, that was needed to trade for Darren Waller. And so that they turned a nothing into something at least hopefully we still haven't seen Waller in a Giants uniform yet but and then last year's draft I thought was very good right um I thought they hit it out of the park with that so they've made good moves in free agency good moves in draft while also as you well know Patricia balancing a budget that was non-existent when they arrived (laughs) they didn't have they didn't have any money under the salary cap so they've been able to I think uh get a whole lot done with very little Indeed. And we'll see what it bring, what it, what happens this year. I mean, certainly a lot of positivity and seem to be on the right track. 
Hey, Giant fans, the Built March Madness bracket is here. We know you have a favorite Built Bar or Built Puff, and now's your time to make it count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorite. You know I'm going to be voting for that mint chocolate brownie puff, my absolute favorite. It's a limited time offering, but I just got myself a new box, and we're actually halfway through the box already. That's how good they are. Anyway, which puff or bar will you be voting for? Support your favorite at BuiltMarchMadness.com and be automatically entered into a drawing where 50 lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built and one lucky Locked On fan will get win a 12-month supply of Built bars or puffs delivered straight to their door. Vote every day in March and don't forget to pick up your favorite Built bars or puffs at a 15% discount on your first order at built.com using the promo code locked 15. All right. Now, Solomon, I want to talk about this initiative you're involved with, with uh, finding a, a treatment for Alzheimer's disease. But before we do, if I may, I just want to share my personal experience with this particular type of disease. Um, to my listeners, you probably know that in the span of three years, I lost both my parents. Both of my parents had dementia and it was sudden. My father may be not as sudden, but my mother's sudden. And to watch them go through that, to, to, to sit there with them and just, you know, have them look at you with that blank look in your, in their eye. Like I kind of know you, but I don't know who you are. Just absolutely heartbreaking. And, you know, it's been said that the disease is hereditary. So I have two parents who had the disease and died of it. And for those who don't know, I also had cancer back in the day. I am actually more scared that one day I'm going to wake up and suddenly I'm going to have some sign of Alzheimer's or dementia because it is hereditary. And some statistics that I just want to share real quick, more than 6 million people older than 65 are living with Alzheimer's disease. In the U.S., one in three seniors die from the disease, making it more deadly then breast cancer and prostate cancer combined. Wow. wow. And uh, there are over 500,000 new cases of Alzheimer's disease diagnosed in the year, uh, this year in the U.S. alone. Yeah. Solomon, tell us a little bit about this new initiative you're involved with, what it's doing, and, and is there hope that maybe this treatment can either eliminate Alzheimer's disease in the family, you know, with dementia and everything like that, or just at least slow it down? To your stories and many other stories that I've heard like that, that's what has allowed me to transition into this area. This is where my heart is. This is where my focus and my attention um, is. While I do host a show on Sirius XM NFL Radio every morning, Monday through Friday for three hours, the second half of my day is spent working with companies like Anovis, uh, who has this drug in clinical trial. They're in the phase two, phase three um, uh, portion of the clinical trial, and the findings have been very positive. We still have to clear that hurdle and get through the final phase three portion of the trial, but it's been over 20 years since the FDA has approved a drug uh, that uh, would treat um, patients with Alzheimer's. Um, if you have a family member or loved one who's dealing with um, mild cognitive repair um, 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 issues, uh, you should you should go to anovisbio.com. Uh, That's A-N-N-O-V-I-S bio.com 
That's the website where if you're in the New York area, you can get more information where you can take your loved one um, or family member um, and then and see if they would really qualify for the clinical trial. We need people to participate uh, in these trials um, just to get drugs approved that can help um, the broader population. And so there, this is there's very promising um, uh, outcomes from the people who have participated in the trial. We still have to get over that hurdle, uh, but it's very important because there are people like you um, who have lost loved ones to these dreaded diseases. As you talked about, um, you've got a lot of people, a lot of people who are suffering from this and we're losing a lot of people also from Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia. Um, when you factor in all of them, those numbers that you just mentioned, Patricia, they multiply and they're all part of, uh, of the family of what we call tauopathies, right? Um, where we have uh, uh, cognitive impairment and you just see a steady decline of our family members, our friends, our loved ones. Um, and so we need to be able to bring more treatments to the forefront uh, to help people um, live. Uh, even if, if we could just stop it in its tracks, um, that would be going a long way. And Anovis is working very hard at that. So this treatment that's being developed, this is to slow it or to eliminate it? Well, it's to treat it. And so treatments, we talk about treatments, um, not cures. That's what we have to, and that's FDA regulation because we don't want to oversell. But if you think about Magic Johnson, when he attracted the HIV virus, right? Um, all the doctors rushed in, all the, all the money for uh, medical research rushed in because everyone loves Magic Johnson, we don't want to lose this man, this wonderful person. And guess what? They were able to create a treatment to stop the HIV virus in its tracks. As we all know, Magic Johnson still walking around with the HIV virus, but it stopped it in its tracks. It, you know, most likely it'll be something else um, that that uh, that he'll die from. But it won't be it won't be this because um, the treatments work, stopped it in its tracks keeps it from advancing. Um, and so that's the way that, uh, you know, modern medicine is working now. We, those, are, those are the things that we can speak about with greater optimism. Do we find treatments or do we find cure? It'd be great if we could find a cure, right? But then in the meantime, let's find a way to treat it. Let's find a way to stop it in its tracks uh, where we can go on and live our, our daily lives. It'd be great if we found something that could help regress it. But right now um, we're finding that uh, the being able to stop it in its tracks, that it's a wonderful thing. In terms of, you know, the, being in the, uh, the phase two, phase three of the clinical trials, what other support is being given to the people participating in these clinical trials besides obviously the administration of the medicine? Well, first of all, it's providing a lot of people with some hope, right? Um, and that's what, when, you know, you, you mentioned that you, you've had cancer. Um, and when you were going through that, the number one thing that I think you had to wake up and and so in order to fight this fight, um, to the ability to have hope that wow, there is something that we can do about this, and I'm going to lean into whatever it is I can do. And that's why we're we're getting family. We're trying to talk with family members and everyone to rec recognize that there are resources. You go to novusbio.com and go to that website, and you'll find there's a lot of information. There's support groups that you can lean into. There's obviously the clinical trial that you can lean into. All of these things provide education. They provide you with more information. They provide you with more resources. 
um, and support groups that you can lean on that not only provides you with hope, um, but with an understanding of the pathway uh, that you need to take. And particularly if you recognize that um, one of your aging loved ones or family members have some uh, cognitive impairment and that there's some decline there, how to, what to recognize, what to look at, what to see in order to be able to initiate getting them into a clinical trial. And support groups, very, very important. I know when yes. I was going through it with, with both my parents, you know, you sit there and you, you want, you know, the same way they want to give you what's best, you know, you want to give them what's best and to yeah. basically feel helpless. You know, I felt helpless not being able to do anything about it. You yeah. know, I, and I would try with pictures. I would try with all kinds of things. And it, it, after a while, it was just all for naught. And it was, it was just very sad and it, it, it affects you for sure. It really does. I mean, it really does. And, you know, Dr. Peter McAllister, he's the uh, doctor in the Connecticut, New York area um, who's running the clinical trial site. Um, you'll be able to find that information by, again, going to anovisbio.com, uh, and that's where you'll be able to go to the website. It's a lot of information there that you really will be able to help your family member or friend or loved one. I think to be able to get on the right path, it is just the beginning, just the early steps and and helping uh, to to move these new modern treatments forward. We all think about every medication that's on the market now. Um, Somebody had to participate in a clinical trial in order for that to come to fruition and for it to be even available for us now. And sometimes we take a lot of that for granted, um, that other people had to to make sacrifices or had to maybe go through those treatments or trials in order for us to have something that we don't have to no longer worry about because those treatments are readily available for us on the market. Um, We'd like to be able to push this one over the hurdle um, and get the FDA approval that's needed, providing uh, that it meets all of their requirements. And we're still working through that process. Um, But I'm going to celebrate when that day, when that day arrives. Well, again, as somebody who now has a pretty good chance of landing one of these diseases, I am rooting for this to come through as soon as possible because, you know, listen, once your mind goes, what do you have left? You know, and I I don't even want to think about it. I've seen people, you know, not just my parents, but also when they lived in memory care units to watch people who were once brilliant doctors or lawyers or educators or whatever it is they did in the prior life. And just to see them sit there and basically be a shell of themselves and have that blank look on their face, yeah. it is heartbreaking. And then to, to see, you know, now you forget to eat, you forget to to do basic stuff that we take for granted every right. day, that we do every day, right. just right. absolutely, you know, devastating. But we will definitely link to this information in the show notes. Folks, please check it out. And um, Solomon, thank you so much for telling us about this. You know, it, it, it's always good to to know that, Advancement is being made in, in, in against a disease that just is awful, awful. Thank so you, I Patricia. Appreciate You're it. the best. We greatly appreciate you sharing the platforms. Uh, yeah, we get to talk about football. We get to talk about Big Blue, the Giants. Well, I think if, if they were stock, I would say I'm buying, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but the same uh, when it comes to some of the other things that are very important in life. So we appreciate you for sharing the platform and allowing us to come on with it today. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's it's like I said, it's something that's near and dear to my heart. And, you know, look, football, I know a lot of people come here, they, they want to hear about the football stuff, but 
we're also human at the end of the day. So, and I think this is an important, certainly an important cause. And I'm happy that you were able to come on, give me a few minutes of your time to talk about this, as well as to give me your expertise on the Giants. I, I have a great deal of respect for you. And, you know, I try and catch your show whenever I can. So Solomon, thank you from the bottom of my heart for coming on the Locked on Giants podcast with me. All right. Thank you, Patricia. All the best. All right, Giant fans, thank you for tuning in to the Locked on Giants podcast. Again, don't forget to check out the show notes where you can find information on the uh, initiative Solomon spoke about. We have content for you the rest of the week. We'll have shorts if there's any late breaking news. So make sure you keep it here on the Locked on Giants podcast. For Solomon Wilcox, I'm Patricia Trainer. We will talk to you again soon, Giant fans.